We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 92, with Michael Shapiro. Michael Shapiro is serving in his second year as the principal of Highland Tech Charter School in Anchorage. He recently moved from Chicago, where he was a principal of a middle school there for seven years. He earned the Department of Education's Blue Ribbon Award, and he was assistant principal for five years before that. He used to teach computer applications and was a director of instructional technology. He's also working on his doctorate degree in administration supervision at Loyola University in Chicago. I'm really excited to talk to him today because he's doing the things that I dreamed of doing as an educator. So we're going to talk about standards-based grading done school-wide really intensely, and uh, I hope that you enjoy learning from him because I sure did. Okay, thank you, Michael, for joining me on the podcast today. I'd like to start out by you telling us a little bit about your school, Highland Tech, and talk to us about what kind of things you guys are doing there and why it's so awesome. Okay. Uh, Highland Tech is a 6th through 12th grade charter school in the Anchorage School District. We are a standards-based and personal mastery-based system, and uh, we are a member of the RISC Coalition, the Reinventing Schools Coalition, which is a division of Marzano Research. We were founded about 11 years ago on the system of, of personal mastery so that uh, we have a non-traditional grading system. Students must achieve proficiency in, in all of their learning targets in uh, what we call levels of core curriculum before proceeding. So it's not a, a one-and-done approach to, to education as we're fairly used to in the traditional model, but uh, really it, it, it focuses on helping kids achieve mastery of all the content, of all the standards before they're ready uh, for the next level of curriculum. It's very individualized. Students, there, there is a teacher pace, but sometimes students exceed that pace, and sometimes students need more time to meet that pace. So 
uh, we used to say that we are a non-time-bound system, but of course everything is time-bound in the universe. But there's a lot of flexibility and individualization that goes on. We try to use a lot of real-world project-based learning uh, to help students meet those proficiency standards and objectives. And uh, it's a pretty unique environment. It sounds really cool. And it sounds a lot like what my school is trying to go towards. When you talk about all based on student mastery, do you really mean that like kids aren't going to progress past sixth grade math until they actually get sixth grade math? That is the, the approach. Yes. It's a fairly rigorous approach to education and it, it takes some adjustment for students, for parents, for teachers, even administrators, uh, to to really get their heads around what mastery of, of standards. Now, we, we have rubrics at every level for, for all of our core content, but every student that comes to us has grown up in a traditional system for six, seven, maybe eight or nine years. So there's an adjustment period for them to realize, I've done this work, and right now it's okay, there is evidence here of learning, but there's not yet evidence of mastery. So that is, that's a real challenge for us. The other challenge is that we have a very mixed understanding in our community of, of who we are and what we're about. So sometimes students and families choose us because we are small. We're a much smaller alternative to the neighborhood, middle, and high schools in Anchorage. Uh, sometimes they choose us because they've heard that we're a very nurturing and safe school, which we are and which we're very proud of. But it it isn't always that mastery-based, proficiency-based system that students and families choose us for. So there's a learning curve. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. How do you approach that learning curve? How do you deal with parents and students who don't quite understand it and maybe get frustrated after they show up to your school and say, wait a minute, so this isn't like every other school? How do you deal with those misperceptions? I'm in only my second year as principal, but it became pretty clear to me fairly early on that there was a lot of misperception, not just in, in our new students when I began my first year last year, but in many of our existing students and families. And so I spent my first year working very hard to be as clear as possible, as transparent as possible with, with our community about who we were and, and what we meant. As a charter school, as a school of choice, there are two major times of year where families have the opportunity to, to think about coming to us. One is in our spring lottery, which happens in late February, start of March, and one is in the summer lottery. So in the spring, we had probably two to three dozen families that had chosen us. And we held a new parent orientation evening in early May for those students and families. They'd been, many of them had been to the school. They'd toured the school. They'd heard directly from our students because we have all student-led tours. And, and those students can speak very articulately about our structure. But at that orientation, I, I tried to lay all the cards on the table for families and then took it a step further this summer as new families enrolled over the course of the summer. As soon as we got back in mid to late July, we started to have some, some pretty critical conversations with new families who we thought maybe they weren't choosing us 
because of our, our, our program, but they were choosing us, again, because they heard we were a safe school, we were a small school. We also have a reputation for being a really good school for students on the spectrum. And those are all things that we're proud of, but they're not the core of who we are, and not all students who are looking for a safe environment, not all students who are on the spectrum are going to succeed in this rigorous system. So we had some 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 pretty tough conversations. We also took the time in the spring and the summer to have conversations with many of our existing students and families just to, to redouble our efforts and, and, and come back around to what is it you're hoping to gain out of being here? What what are you going to do differently next year? Because this past year, perhaps you didn't make the progress we had hoped for. And then we're trying to to really uh, work on our message to to the community at large and within the Anchorage School District system, because I think there's a misperception among our colleagues a little bit uh, about who we are and what we do. So we're trying to work at it, uh, but it's it's challenging. Okay, so you, you this is your second year. Did you have experience in schools like this before, or did you have to learn how this system works as well? None whatsoever. I was really drawn to this system. Uh, I've been a principal for seven years in the Chicago area, and over the course of my last year there, we had started to do a, a lot of work with standards-based grading and reporting. Uh, we did some work with Thomas Gusky, who's one of the foremost standards-based grading experts in, in, in the country in the lower 48 out of uh, the University of Kentucky. And I was really intrigued and, and grabbed by the concept of standards-based grading and really assessing students on what they, I mean, we always talk about, let's assess students on what they know and are able to do. Yet in a traditional system with A's and B's and C's, so much else goes into it. You know, I think we do a disservice when we when we talk about what do kids really know. So that had started to tickle at my brain when I, I read about the Reinventing Schools Coalition, and then this position opened up at Highland Tech, and it, it just really grabbed me and brought me all the way here from Chicago because I, I really believe in it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I had a similar thing. I'm in my second year here in Kodiak, and they were talking about doing some of these things at the school that I applied to, and we've actually worked with Laura Hilger from Risk. Uh, she came to our school last year to do some professional development. So anyway, we've got some connections with them also, and I really like their approach and the things that they're doing as well. Now, we talk about standards-based grading, and a lot of times that looks like it's just shoehorning the old system into this new system that's focused on numbers instead of letters. Can you talk a little bit about how you're actually assessing students based on their mastery and, and what they're really learning and how they demonstrate it? Absolutely. At every level of learning, and we talk about levels as they sort of correlate to grade levels. So level E is sixth grade, level one is seventh grade, and on up through level six would be sort of a grade level equivalent of 12th grade. At each level in each of the four content areas, there are standards which are aligned to the common core standards. And for each of those standards, there are performance activities or uh, learning activities that correlate with mastery of certain standards. And a student will earn one of of several uh, grades, if you will, based on their work production. So if they've produced nothing, if they show no demonstration of any learning in the con- in the content in the target, they would earn a no basis, meaning I have no basis to assess your learning on this standard. 
then that goes up to developing and emerging. So you're starting to see some evidence there of learning, but it doesn't quite hit the target for what uh, a mastery of that standard would be. And then when a student achieves mastery, they earn a proficient. Students also have the option to go beyond proficiency and earn an, an advanced rating in, in any one of those standards. So it, it is truly non-traditional. There's no report card. It is ongoing real-time assessment of learning. We've talked about doing some sort of progress reporting at the traditional quarters and semesters just to give our students and families maybe a more concrete snapshot of progress at a given point in time, but it is really constant and evolving and ongoing. Uh, there's no such thing as, you know, you get a C, then you move on to the next thing. You know, a C doesn't exist for us. Really, the, the equivalent of that would be emerging, meaning they're really starting to get their head around this. They haven't quite mastered it, but there's evidence of learning until they reach proficiency. So does it do kids progress at an at a typical pace, or do they generally move faster, generally move slower? What's your perception of that? After about a, a year plus, it, it really varies. I would say the majority of students move at or just below the pace we would hope they would move at. And then we have a handful of students that move faster and a handful of students that move slower. I have three students who are chronological juniors who will graduate this year. One of them probably could have graduated last year, but uh, none of us felt comfortable about graduating a, a, a sophomore. <laughs> but she made that progress. And really, and not only did she master content, but she earned a lot of advanced ratings. But we also have a number of students who are in their equivalent of their fifth year of high school with us who will graduate in December or who will graduate in May and will have taken an extra semester or an extra year potentially to graduate. So it, it varies, but I would say the majority of students probably are at or just below the pace we would hope for. Okay, so that's good to know. The other thing I would say is it also varies from content to content. You know, I think one of the things we're able to do in this system is for lack of a better word, hold kids back without retaining them. So if you're a ninth grader, chronologically, we call you a ninth grader, you may be in level two math, which is the equivalent of eighth grade math, but you're a ninth grader. The same ninth grader also may be in level four reading. This could be a student who is just cruising along and doing language arts, reading and writing at a very high level more of a sophomore level, but math is more of a struggle for them. So we're not, students aren't pegged to one specific grade level of content. It depends on their ability. Yeah. Well, that was the question that I was going to ask is that kids can progress as quick as they want in a, in a language arts class, say, and then, and then struggle a little bit in math and still get all the learning that they need. So when somebody graduates, are they more prepared for their college and career than someone else who was who was educated someplace else? Without passing judgment on other schools, I will say yes. <laughs> good good clarification. <laughs> we have a we have a level of rigor that is different from the neighborhood schools. The example I always use is math. In the Anchorage School District, students must earn three math credits. 
and they must complete Algebra 1. Now, in a neighborhood school, you could actually take algebra over two years, which would earn you two credits and satisfy your algebra requirement. Then you could take any kind of math elective to earn your third credit in math, and you're able to graduate. At Highland Tech, we insist that students reach level five math. Level three is algebra, level four is geometry, level five is algebra two trig. So there is an, a level of rigor there that we're asking for that the neighborhood schools are not. Credit-wise, it's the same thing. They've got to get three math credits, but we are particular about what those three math credits are. The same holds true for, for language arts. As students move up and progress through our system, they're progressing upward at higher levels of rigor in language arts, whereas in a neighborhood school, there are a host of electives in which students can earn language arts credits and still graduate, but without that same level of rigor. Okay, so what does an actual class day look like when a kid is in 8th grade math and 10th or 11th grade language arts and they're all over the place? What does that look like for scheduling classes and all that stuff? It's very challenging. We try to integrate our curriculum as much as possible. So our humanities teachers at both the middle and high school level work very closely on integrating their curriculum, as do our math and science teachers. So when we have what we call an outlier, a student who might be in level two or eighth grade equivalent math and level four sophomore equivalent language arts, it's a scheduling challenge. We try to create a schedule that meets their needs, and sometimes we individualize it. We occasionally have to sort of break up that integrated block and put them with a middle school math teacher, for example, and a high school science teacher, if that's their appropriate level. Sometimes we do what we call an ILP or an individualized learning plan for a student. So if a student is, is off level and an outlier in one content area, maybe they just don't go to social studies at that off grade level, but they're working on an individualized plan that they've sat down and ironed out with a teacher to meet the standards in that level until they are ready to be in a, an integrated humanities block or an integrated STEM block. So it, it can be a challenge, but our teachers are very creative, and uh, we allow students to be very creative in how they meet the standards. Good. That was my next question. What does it look like for a student to show that they have met the standards? So we have a, a variety of assessments. We are shorter, I think, on the typical paper and pencil assessments. Um, we do a lot of project-based learning, integrated writing projects where students are writing a paper that's going to satisfy requirements for both language arts and social studies, what we call social environments, or they might be working on a research project that meets standards in language arts and science, or a project that satisfies requirements in math and science. And then we have another set of standards that students must earn with us outside of their core in three distinct areas, personal and social service, careers, and technology. And all Highland Tech graduates have to go through three levels and earn standards in all three of those areas in order to graduate. So it is really supportive of our mission of, of educating and shaping. You know, we always talk about the whole child. Uh, but I think we have a real commitment to that in 
what we expect of students outside of the core content. So could a student be doing something in like their language arts class that relates to their science class and be able to receive credit, as it were, for meeting those standards, even though that specific teacher didn't assign it? Is, is that something that's possible? It's possible, but usually there's a level of coordination between the teachers. So those things don't typically happen by accident. They're much more deliberate and, and planned opportunities for, for cross-curricular work that, that satisfies multiple requirements. And then could students be working on something that isn't in one of their classes, like if they're in student council and they had to write a speech, would those things qualify for showing that they've mastered a standard? Absolutely. Uh, we also have students that work in the community that there are opportunities for earning standards somewhat in the core curriculum, but also through those personal social service and career standards to achieve credits, if you were. Our, our tech careers in PSS, personal and social service, those all have multiple alignments to district-offered elective classes so that students who are doing things in their community or um, doing things in the arts or uh, working outside of school can earn elective credits with us through those opportunities. That was a great interview with Michael. We're going to talk more about what he's doing at his school uh, next week in the episode. And we're going to talk about how he teaches teachers to do this kind of approach and then also the challenges that they face when coming in. I'd like to ask you for a little favor real quick. If you could go to the show notes for this, just tap on the logo if you're listening on your iPhone and go to the website, transformativeprinciple.org, and scroll down to where it says, what are you struggling with most in your job? I'd really appreciate hearing how I can help you do your job better by finding guests that meet your needs. Thanks so much. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.